welcome to Shelby Christian Church. We're glad you guys are here this morning. Hey, you guys that are joining us online, thanks for being there as well. If you would, just go ahead in the comment section there. Let us know uh, who's with you this morning. We're glad you're worshiping with us virtually. Um, Kevin's got a great message this morning from Luke chapter 17 on gratitude. I know it's something that's going to really bless you guys and encourage you and challenge you. I want to read a passage of scripture this morning as we get started. This is Psalm 100, and it says this. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. That's Psalm 100. My prayer is that this morning that that would be the heart in which we enter this place and in which we enter into a time of worship with our Lord and our Savior. Would you guys please stand with me and let's worship today.
that phrase, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave. And you know, it's a great truth that we get to sing today, but it doesn't exist. That truth doesn't happen without the cross. Jesus doesn't get to call us out of the grave unless we've accepted what he did for us on the cross. And every week here at Shelby Christian, we take time to remember that fact. That without Jesus' sacrifice, without his broken body and his blood that was poured out, we couldn't be in relationship with him. We couldn't be in communion with God. And all over this room, we've got different tables and stations set up for you to grab communion. And as you get up here in a second after I pray, my prayer is that we would remember those things as we walk. We would remember those things as we sit back down and we would remember those things as we pray. So pray with me right now. Jesus, we are so grateful that you have called us out of the grave. You've called us out of the darkness. But God, we know that we can't claim that victory. We can't claim the phrase, you called my name without the cross, without your sacrifice. God, we pray that even though it's something we do every week, that we would not let this simple fact lose its meaning, that you came to save us. Your body was broken to save us. Your blood was poured out to save us. Remind us of your great love today. It's your name we pray, amen. as you continue to take communion during this time. I'm going to teach you all kind of a new song, but also kind of an old song as well. 
states the simple fact of how deep the Father's love is for us, how vast beyond any measure we could ever comprehend. So let these words speak to your heart this morning.
send your son so that we could be saved from our sin, that we could be set free from our captivity. Thank you, God, that we could know salvation and heaven because of you. God, I pray that we would just get an understanding of what it means to think of you in the midst of all our circumstances. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Good morning. How is everybody today? Great, great, great. Uh, this morning we got a great message. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it'll be delivered well, but it's a great message. It's on gratitude. Uh, Jesus being the keeper of my gratitude. And that word gratitude means the quality of being thankful. Great. Right? I mean, I mean, in the middle of this and what's going on? We're supposed to be thankful in the middle of uh, a world that seems like it's kind of going a little nuts and crazy. Thankfulness, gratitude. It's a challenge, right? I mean, think about it for a moment. Whatever you've had to face and whatever we watch, if we watch the news, uh, it can be difficult in circumstances to be grateful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul writes this, Give thanks in some of your circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks when the times are good, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks when everything goes your way. Give thanks when it's really raining down happiness in your household. Give thanks when your kids move out. Give thanks. No, that's not what it says. Paul writes, give thanks in all circumstances. I looked it up in the Greek. You know what in all means in the Greek? In all. It's everything. Give thanks. And I wonder how Paul could write this. Does he not know about the pandemic? Is he not aware of all the politics of an election year? How do I show gratitude to God when we're facing this, when I have to wear a mask as I'm walking in 100-degree heat and the humidity and I'm carrying a little extra weight? How in the world am I supposed to wear a mask? It's hard to breathe in those things, especially when you've had the same one for six weeks. How do I show gratitude to God when tragedy strikes? I mean, what about you? How do you show gratitude to God in all circumstances? What about when you lose your job? And you don't know where that next payment is going to come from. You don't know if you're going to be able to pay your bills or keep your car. How do, how do I show gratitude, thankfulness... In those circumstances, 
How do I show gratitude and thankfulness if my marriage is falling apart and it's my fault? How do I show gratitude and thankfulness when someone I love and care about gets cancer? Did Paul really mean all circumstances? I actually believe he did. How do I show gratitude when I lose a spouse or a parent or a child? Am I still supposed to be thankful to God in those circumstances? How do I show gratitude during a global pandemic and an election year? I thought I would start out my uh, sermon with a little political humor. I'm just kidding. We're not going to go there. I, was... I mean, how do, we, how, do we, how do we embrace the idea of giving thanks? And sometimes what it seems like, at least in my lifetime, one of the most stressful, worst times that we could experience. How do we show thankfulness to God in that? Well, I think we're going to learn a little bit about that today. If you would take your Bibles and turn to chapter 17 of Luke and verses 11 through 19. And there's Bibles in front of you and the chair in front of you underneath. Or you can just look up at the screen or your phone. There's all kinds of ways to get the word in there. Luke 17, 11 through 19. And let's read. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, and we don't know what village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now let's get a little background here. Many of you probably already know this. Leprosy is a terrible disease, especially in this day and age. We have treatments for it now, but leprosy is open sores. It's, it's numbness of appendages. It's wounds that are caused because you don't realize you got hurt. It's broken bones that you may not realize are broken and they get infected and then you lose those appendages. Uh, people with leprosy will lose fingers, nose, toes, arms, legs. Uh, it's a deformity and death. It's Agonizing. It's a gross disease. And it was common in this day and era. In fact, it is where Mother Teresa spent her time in a leopard's community just not that long ago. So it still exists. Rabbis considered the affliction of leprosy as an outward symbol of moral decay. In other words, it was God's punishment on whoever got leprosy. Leviticus 13 stated that those with the disease must wear torn clothes, hair unkempt, covering their face with a mask. Hmm, some of you, maybe, all right. And crying out, unclean, unclean, everywhere they met, went. They were to live in isolation until it could be proven that they were healthy again. 
And so even if they had family, even if it was the head of the household, the dad who earned the income, if he got leprosy and the priest said, hey, you're not clean, you've got boils on you, you've got leprosy, you have to be isolated, you have to social distance, you have to wear a mask, you got to get away from everybody else. And they would be there likely for the rest of their lives. Not Most people did not get healed from leprosy. Most people died from leprosy and they died alone. They didn't have family around them. They were miserable, separated, no friends, no family. You didn't want to catch this. No daughters to offer the pecks on your cheek. No sons to wrestle with or give bear hugs. No wife to hold your hand or keep you warm. They were just devastated by this disease. And so these 10 lepers seek out Jesus. They hear from somewhere that he's coming into town and at a distance, and they probably practice this before. Okay, when he gets here, we got to get noticed because we want him to heal us. So everybody together, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Together they say this because they desperately wanted it. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, we got a little taste of isolation and a disease. We can, we can understand a little bit of that, but this was just something else. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Can you imagine 10 guys getting ready to get the attention of Jesus. They heard that he had touched a leper not long ago. And Matthew, we read about that. He healed a leper and he touched him. And then they come up and say, Jesus, have mercy on us. And he says, go to the priest and show yourself cleanse. If I was in that group of 10 and I'm walking, I'm like, Jesus, I'm hoping he's going to come over and touch us too. That's what what I would have thought. He would have come over and said, man, you are healed or whatever he did, right? Uh, Spit on me. I don't care. Just heal me, Jesus. I would have been anticipating something like that. And he says, go to the priest and show yourself healed. I wonder if those first few steps, because it says that they were cleansed on on their way. I wonder if those first few steps in agony because of the sores and everything, if they wondered if they had been rejected. We don't know. I wonder if maybe those steps had turned away from Jesus. They thought, oh man, we've already been to the priest. He said to get out of here. I'm trying to finish my lunch because I'm making me sick. Oh man, Jesus didn't heal us. I don't know what they thought. It doesn't tell us that. I'm speculating. They could have been like, okay, okay. But whatever happened, at some point, they knew. At some point, they felt it. At some point, as they went, they were cleansed. They saw it. Blood rushed into broken and missing parts of their body. Strength returned. Uh, this was no Red Bull thing, right? This, this, this is no giving of wings. This was a miracle. The broken, the bruised, the wounded, the dejected, the depressed became whole. At some point on their journey to see the priest, to be pronounced clean, they were healed. And it's a miracle. What would that have felt like, right? What would it have felt like to just have that power surge through you and heal your disease? Verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. There were ten. One of them turns back. 
and goes back to Jesus. He threw himself, verse 16, at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Luke loved to do this, by the way. A Samaritan was like a half-Jewish person, half pagan, somebody that intermarried with somebody that was not Jewish, and, uh, and they were called Samaritans, and they were not liked by the Jews. And so having Jesus have the one person that returns after a miraculous healing and the nine others, I don't know what they did. It doesn't tell us. Doesn't Maybe they went and followed what Jesus said and, and stood before the priest and were pronounced clean and then they had to go into uh, isolation for eight more days, get checked again, and then they got pronounced clean. They go home to their family. Maybe they thought, well, we need to do what Jesus... I don't know. Maybe, maybe, they thought they, maybe they were caught up in the idea of, I, I get to go see my wife. I get to go see my kids. I just get to be back with my family. I can get my old job back. I'm, I'm so excited to be cleansed and whole again. I don't know where those other nine lepers went, but the Samaritan leper returned to the feet of Jesus and praised him and thanked him. You see, the Samaritan leper did what anyone would do who understood what Jesus had done, Right? Let me say that again. The Samaritan leper did what anyone would do who understood what Jesus had done. He responded appropriately to his healing. And get this. I mean, he's a leper and a Samaritan. He's an outcast by his disease and he's an outcast by his origin. He wouldn't have gone to the priest anyway because he didn't follow the priest orders. He was rejected. And Jesus made him whole. He was sick and diseased, and Jesus cleansed him. And his response was to go to the feet of Jesus and worship and thank him. Verse 17, Jesus asked the Samaritan leper, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? You see, I think in those two verses, we can see that Jesus expected gratitude for what he had done. He had expected more to return and say, thanks for making me whole again. Thanks for giving me back my index finger. Thanks for making it comfortable again to walk. Thanks for changing my life. He had an expectation that more than just one And of that one, a Samaritan would come back and give him thanks. And look at verse 19. It says, Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, the made you well in the Greek is a word called sozo. And it actually means to save. To save or to make well. Not only was he receiving a healing from Jesus from his leprosy, but this indicates that he was likely receiving salvation from Jesus. Sozo, to save. And so his faith had made him well. He returned with gratitude to the Savior, fell on his face at his feet. And worshiped him. The Samaritan leper did what anyone would do who understood what Jesus had done. That's a great lesson in there. It's not a parable, it actually happened, right? 
And as I'm studying this week, as I'm trying to figure out what God wants to say through me today, uh, I began to really dig into the the bad part of me. And and trust me, there's a bad part of me uh, that causes me to be ungrateful, impatient, unkind, lacking compassion, lacking mercy. What causes me to be ungrateful, even in the midst of knowing what God has done? And how can it change my attitude of gratitude? Now, here's some things, and maybe you can relate to this, that sometimes get us in a position where we're not thankful, we're uh, upset, we're frustrated, we're jealous, we're full of envy, we're full of just resentment. We're like, God, why are you doing this to me? And, uh, and, and we're just not happy with our circumstances. Maybe it's that thing that I want that I don't have. That position at work, the paycheck and the size of it, the car, the, the boat, but whatever it is, it's, it's your thing. But there's something that maybe at some point you thought you would work to and find and you've reached a certain age now where you no longer have gotten it and you're bitter about it. And so you have resentment. God, why did you do this to me? Maybe for you, it's the struggles of this world that, that for me have caused me to forget the glory and gift of the next world, heaven. I want you to think about this because we sang that song earlier and it talked about the idea of heaven and the, the gift that God has given us through his son, Jesus. Um, I, I want to give an illustration here. If we have one chair in this room, this one chair. And let's say that you have a really good long life and you live to be 90 something and you that's your life, that one chair. Eternal life in heaven would take up all the other chairs. If this is 90 something years, this is all the other chairs of eternity with God. And what God did through his son Jesus in the pain of the cross is he rescued and redeemed your life so that you could experience eternal life with him in eternal glory. And it's going to be more amazing than you ever could possibly imagine. And your eternal life could be represented not just by these chairs, because that's a limited amount of time, because there's a limited amount of chairs. But you could put all the chairs in the whole world, the ones in your living room and the ones at the big church down the road. You can put all the chairs in the world and eternal life goes on forever. But that's your life. Just to get a little bit of a size comparison. And sometimes we put so much into this life that when disappointments happen, when circumstances get difficult or even terrible or tragic, we give up on God and we say, well, I'm not going to be grateful to you. How could you do this to me? And we become unthankful. We become resentful. We shake our fist at God. And we forget. Be thankful in all circumstances. Maybe you felt the difficulties of life and the struggles as evidence to you that God doesn't care or he's uninterested in your life. And there's a discontentment which is closely entangled to ungratefulness. God, if, if God loved me and he sent his son to die for me, why is my life this way? See, this attitude of gratitude can kind of get robbed from us. The thief can come in and distort our thinking and cause us to forget what Jesus has done for us. 
The Samaritan leper did what anyone would do who could, who understood what Jesus had done. In that moment, he responded correctly. And, and, and I think that is the challenge for us out of that scripture today. And I wrote this this week. Do what anyone would do who understands what Jesus has done. You see, if you go into your day, if you wake up in the morning, and regardless of your circumstances, you remind yourself of what Jesus has done, your attitude of gratitude will be expanded because you understand that life, eternal life, is more than just this one chair. And you will have gratitude and thanks even in difficult circumstances. In all circumstances, you will practice gratitude, right? And so what has Jesus done? Well, he came to earth as a baby. He humiliated himself and left the throne of heaven to become a baby. To, to get his diaper changed by somebody else. You realize that Jesus, God had his diaper changed, right? He had to have his, his uh, spittle wiped off of him. He threw up when they overfed him. He, he uh, had to be coddled and he probably cried. He came as a man, right, to earth. Why? So that he could save us. He rescued us from sin by dying on a cross. He submitted himself to the humiliation of a cross so that you and I could not just sit in this seat, but could sit in the whole realm of eternity forever because we have the forgiveness of sin. That payment that you and I could not pay, Jesus paid. And regardless of our circumstances here on earth, we have that to look forward to. He took us from darkness and put us in light. He took us from death and put us in life. We were a slave to sin, but now we have freedom in Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, I would like to invite you. He welcomes you in. There's no payment required, just your life. Give it over to him to receive the freedom from sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of heaven and eternal life. You see, the Samaritan did what anyone would do who understood what Jesus has done. And when it comes to what Paul wrote in Thessalonians, and if we understand it, we should do what anyone would do who understands what Jesus has done. I don't want to prompt my ungratefulness, my lack of patience, or my anger. But I know this week as I was writing this, I was very challenged by this message um, and I, Tuesday I was praying and spending some time working on this sermon and I was thinking about you know some of the attitudes and actions that I have and I felt like uh, one of the things God brought to the forefront of my mind and I have no idea why he brought this to my mind was uh, the homeless guy that sleeps on the bench in the middle of Shelbyville who I have passed probably a hundred times many of you have too and my son had asked about him just a few weeks ago. What's that guy doing? I said, well, he's taking a nap right now. And uh, Leroy. And I felt like God was leading me to go at least offer to minister to him, which I had come to learn that many people have ministered to him and brought him food and things like that. And so I went. I took a Bible with me that I was going to give him. I don't know if he can read or not. Um, but I took the Bible, and I went down there, and I, I said, hey, I passed you so many times. Is there anything I can do for you? Uh, or help you out in any way. And he said he wanted a sandwich. 
And I said, oh, I can get you a sandwich. What kind of sandwich do you want? And he said, a Big Mac. Now, let me explain this. The Big Mac is like the filet mignon of McDonald's, right? It's like eight bucks now. Do you remember it was like three bucks? And my kids always ask for those uh, meal deals. And I always make, I said, no, 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 you're looking too far over the left. You got to go to the right there in the corner. See that thing says value meal. I don't buy my kids Big Macs. So I, uh, but I got Leroy a Big Mac and I prayed with him. And I don't know why he's there. I don't know what's been done to help alleviate that situation. I know that people have actually offered help to him that he hasn't, I I don't know his circumstances or the ins and outs of it, but I do know that God was convicting me as I was practicing gratitude, as I walked out to my car and I said, God, thank you that I can walk. Thank you that I took in a breath this morning. I'm alive. Thank you, God, that there's these blue skies. Thank you for the car I'm about to drive because I'm so thankful I don't have to walk to Shelbyville with a mask on. Thank you, God, for all that you have done. Thank you, God, for your son Jesus and what he's done, that I have hope, I have salvation, and I have eternal life. As I'm practicing this gratitude, my heart's melting for this guy who I have ignored for months. You see, I think when we realize what Jesus has done, we do what anyone would do who understands what he has done. And I think the attitudes that we have are sometimes because of difficult circumstances that are legitimate. But in spite of those, are we thankful for what Jesus has done, what he has already done? Can you see the victory? Can you see that in the, in the midst of our struggle and our heartbreaking situations at times, that God has provided for you and me a way to know him forever? And are you thankful? Do you show gratitude? And does that gratitude spill out? As I close this morning, I wanted to share with you the last verse of that song we just sang. And it says, why should I gain from his reward? And that's Jesus. But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. I think if you're struggling with gratitude and you recognize what Jesus has done, it'll help you to increase your thankfulness in, the, in, your, in your life as we're called to live in all things, practice thankfulness and gratitude. So I'm going to pray with you. And then I want to invite you to come forward if you have a decision to make. If you don't know Jesus and you want to meet him, if you want to be introduced to him, if you want to uh, enter into a relationship with him, we invite you to come forward at our invitation. Or if you just need prayer, we invite you to come forward. And we have some folks that will pray with you. And I'll be up here and uh, love to talk to you. So let's pray together and then we'll sing. Father God, thank you so much. Um, thank you for life in you. Thank you for the church. What a gift that we have all over this world, not just our church, but the thousands and millions of churches everywhere. We thank you for the sovereignty that you are in complete control. Even in the middle of this mess that we make, you are in control, God. We thank you for life in you. We thank you for abundant life in you through Jesus, that we have a hope that many people can't understand. We have salvation, and we need to be reminded of that. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. May your Holy Spirit convict us in our lack of gratitude and the things we struggle with. May we be reminded to, to know what Jesus has done for us. God, thank you. Thank you for this church and the people that are here today. Thank you for the people that are online. We pray for them. 
that they would see what Jesus had done and they would fall at his feet and worship him and receive that gift. What a beautiful thing to live life in gratitude. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Worship.
have no musical ability in me at all. I, I don't get cues like other people. Seth did this thing where he nod to me. It was very, I need that. Because um, I'll work on it. I just embarrassed myself in front of millions of people online. <laughs> Thanks for coming today. I hope you go out and this attitude of gratitude, you embrace it. Start looking for the things around your life you can be thankful for. And most of all, be thankful that Jesus Christ is, is our hope. And that we will be for eternity with him in the presence of the people that we love. That's something to be thankful for. Something to respond to and live our lives for in all circumstances, giving thanks. You guys have a blessed week. Stay safe. We love you. We'll see you next week.